Good morning. It's lovely to see you all. Um, so Emma's going to read, but it will come just in a little while. So, um, Thank you for allowing me this opportunity to bring something to you from God's Word. Uh, when Jonathan asks me if I'd like to preach, I'm sorry to say that my usual reaction is to panic slightly and then avoid him for a few days. But when he asked me at the end of last term if I'd like to preach this morning, I surprised myself by saying yes. Now, that was mainly because recently I'd been looking at something with the Bible project that I just knew I'd like to share. So I feel really privileged to be standing here this morning. And I really hope that you find the imagery in today's passage both memorable and helpful. So Emma is going to read for us now. Hello. Um, This is from Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 4 to 12. Uh, And then I saw that all toil and all achievement spring from one person's envy of another. This too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Fools fold their hands and ruin themselves. Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. Again, I saw something meaningless under the sun. There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For who am I toiling, he asked, and why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This too is meaningless, a miserable business. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labour. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves quickly. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Thank you, Emma. Is the clicker? Uh, Thank you. Let's pray. Lord, we pray that you would open our hearts and minds to receive from you. Thank you that you can speak through my words this morning, the things that you want each of us to hear, to learn and to live by. Please bring us to the truth in a way that we can understand and apply to our lives today. Amen. Now, if you cast your minds back to January 2019, you may remember that we did a sermon series on the Bible's wisdom literature, which included looking at the book of Ecclesiastes. Well, this morning we are diving back into it. Now, you may well know the word that seems to sum up this book. Meaningless. It occurs 33 times in total, and we heard it three times in today's reading. Everything is meaningless, whether it's toil, work, wisdom, knowledge, skill, storing up wealth, grief, pain, effort, madness, folly, achievement, pleasure. Everything is meaningless. Oops. We, I don't think that's me. 
forgiven for thinking that this book as being a real downer. The words have a pessimistic ring of disappointment and delusion. Yet, this is the life experience of many. But I hope that today's message will be a healthy dose of realism and that this will really encourage you. According to Jewish tradition, King Solomon wrote Ecclesiastes along with two other books that offer such a contrast. First, the optimistic book of Proverbs, which offers security and well-being for everyone who honours God. And then there is Song of Songs, which explores the rosy-eyed view of love and desire. Ecclesiastes' views is so strikingly different, a note of cold, hard realism. It feels a bit like pouring a bucket of ice-cold water on these other views. But this is for good reason. The main speaker in the book is called the teacher, or the one who gathers people. And his goal is not to tell us that life has no meaning or purpose. Rather, he is critiquing a naive religious optimism that both overpromises and underdelivers. He's targeting interpretations of biblical faith that claim that blessing and abundance and peace will always follow those who honour God. You know, it's the message that says, come to Jesus and all your problems will be solved. Now the teacher says that might happen for you, but you mustn't count on it. If your life is really hard and you struggle at every turn, It doesn't mean that God isn't reliable or that he has it in for you. But what it does mean is that we live in a world that is confusing and that has been ruined by human evil and compromised by the inevitability of death. I think what the teacher is trying to do is make us aware that if we have unrealistic expectations of life, the problem is ours and not God's. The teacher is a bit like that friend who you don't like to hang out with all the time, but sometimes you really need to, because they push you to think outside of yourself and beyond your own story. So I want to look at a short riddle that is found in verses 5 and 6 of today's reading. Fools fold their hands and ruin themselves. Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. This rather strange poem is about three kinds of hands that symbolise three ways to approach the challenges and responsibilities of life. The first hand is the fools. Fools fold their hands and ruin themselves. So the Hebrew word for hand used here actually refers to the hand and the forearm. So folding your hands is an image of crossing your arms 
lying back and taking a nap. And this is one approach to life's challenges and responsibilities. Just check out, hide, stop trying, seek distraction or avoid. Now, at the extreme opposite end of folding your arms is the two handfuls with toil. This is an image of tight fists trying to grab onto the wind. It's a really powerful image of futility and of the stress and anxiety we feel when we try to control life's outcomes, when there are just so many factors in life of which we have no control. So what then is the way forward? The teacher here offers a very simple image. He calls it one handful with tranquility. Or in other translations, it's a handful of quietness or one handful of rest. The Hebrew word here refers to your open palm. The image is of holding one hand up to the sky. What a contrast to the other two hands. Unlike the napper, who withdraws, folds his hands, or the two-fisted grabber, this person has one hand in the game, working, but it's an open hand. This is such a powerful image of a balanced and healthy approach to life's work and challenges before God. It's an admission I can't control most of life, but the fact that my hand is outstretched means that I'm in the game. I want to be proactive and responsible with the opportunities and the gifts that God has given me. And it's in this admission of powerlessness that we discover real purpose in this world. The teacher is challenging false hopes. He has discovered that the key to enjoyment in life is accepting that so much of life is out of our control and that nothing is assured, nothing is certain. I can give my best to the things I do, but I can also spare myself from the heartbreak when this work doesn't fulfill all of my dreams. And this way, I can be open to enjoying all the small gifts that come my way in day-to-day life. So I hope you can see that the teacher isn't offering us a counsel of despair, but one of realism, and therefore, ultimately, of wisdom. If you cast your minds back to a couple of weeks ago, you will remember that Jonathan preached on trusting in God from Psalm 25. And I thought it was so interesting that when he told us that the ancient Hebrew posture for prayer wasn't hands together and eyes closed, but would be to lift up your hands with your arms outstretched in a posture of giving your life to God, but also receiving from him. Jonathan challenged us to think about our attitude, and I think that is exactly what these verses are doing. So, the book of Ecclesiastes has a really important function in the Bible for the followers of Jesus. Because we believe that the resurrection of Jesus was the birth of the new creation, and we have hope that one day God will make all things right, but we still have to wait for that day. 
All of Solomon's remarks relating to the futility of life are there for a purpose, to lead us to seek fulfilment and happiness in God alone. He was not trying to destroy all hope, but to direct our hopes to the one who can truly fulfil them and give our life meaning. And Solomon affirms the value of knowledge, relationships, work and pleasure, but only in their proper place. One day God will bring true justice to this world and this hope should fuel us in a life of honesty and integrity before God, despite the fact that we remain puzzled by most of life's mysteries. We live in a world that is good and beautiful, but also compromised and full of disappointment and death. This book helps us adjust our expectations and shows us how we can live in this messed up world We can try and escape this mess by folding our arms and hiding, or we could clench our fists, work overtime, and try to control everything. Or we can live in this broken world with open-handed trust and rest, in a posture of giving our lives to God and also receiving from him. The wisdom of the teacher in Ecclesiastes can help us discover a handful of tranquility as we labour in the unknown. Now I'm sure we all have areas of our lives that we can relate to wanting to either escape or hide from or wanting to control. What would it look like if instead, with an open hand, We trust that life has meaning even when we can't make sense of it. We need to learn to hold on to things lightly and choose to enjoy the simple good things in life. Friendships, family, a good meal, a sunny day. We only really have control over one thing and that is our attitude towards the present moment. So we need to learn to hold things with an open palm. I found a quote recently from a book called The Very Good Gospel by Lisa Sharon Harper. It says we're all broken on some level because we live in a fallen world. Sin and separation are guaranteed in this life. There is no shame in your situation. There is only an opportunity to experience more of God. Every day, life offers us lots of little gifts that we need to be careful not to miss out on because we're too busy trying to either control life's outcomes or hide from them. And so we need to trust Trust that life has meaning even when we can't make sense of it. And this is the way that we can approach our responsibilities and challenges in life with wisdom and a healthy mindset. 
Perhaps today God is speaking to you about things you need to change in life. So in the next few moments of quiet, I'd like you to think about a specific area in your life that you're inclined to either escape or hide from or to control. And can I suggest that at some point, with an open, raised hand, you tell God about it and ask him to help you to trust him with this area. So we'll have a moment of quiet and then I will pray. Holy Spirit, would you convict, challenge, encourage, and change us? Instead of trying to escape or control our lives, we want to make our lives available to you and your kingdom purposes with open-handed trust. When life is good and when life is a mess. Lord, help us to find our rest in you. Amen.